Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. 40 Days for Life volunteers are holding vigils outside abortion centers around the U.S., Illinois, and around the world. Through November 1st, they're praying for women, their unborn babies, the election, and an end to abortion. Catherine Walker is the co-leader of a 40 Days for Life outside the mega Planned Parenthood Abortion Center in Aurora. Catherine, very important that Christians participate in 40 Days for Life, but especially here in Aurora, where up to 400 abortions are committed every month. Monty, it is critical that we as a church join forces and come out here and stand on this property and show hope, opportunity, and light in a very dark place for these men and women that come out here during a very, very challenging time in their life, probably the most challenging time. We have seen many, many saves as a result of standing out here and praying. So it's extremely important to have a prayer presence out here. Well, 40 Days for Life is not a protest. Uh, Volunteers don't engage in acts of violence, but they do pray and they do speak kindly with women and their husbands or boyfriends. Do the volunteers undergo any kind of uh, training on how to best speak with these people? You know, Monty, that's a very good question, uh, and it comes up a lot. People do not have to be trained to come out here. They're really coming out here because God has led them out here. They have an interest in knowing how they can participate in pro-life. I've had some people walk up to me and say, you know, I've always been pro-life, but I've never done anything. And this is the perfect entry point is to come out here and join a peaceful prayer vigil and fast, uh, which is where many churches first get started and individuals. Well, they're quite a few people who are not comfortable with doing any sidewalk style counseling. Is it okay if they simply engage in the prayer aspect of 40 Days for Life? Absolutely. Um, there are you typically trained sidewalk counselors that are out here that have been doing this for years and we are here just to kind of back them up in prayer. So it is not necessary that anybody come out here and feel that they are expected to engage uh, with individuals, but it's certainly okay if the Lord leads you. Well, the emphasis is on promoting life, but also to point people to Jesus Christ and the hope and healing that he offers. Absolutely. I can tell you a situation where I was out here one day and had the opportunity to speak to a young couple that was here to abort their third child uh, because of tough times and the COVID virus and so forth. And in the course of the conversation, we talked about a lot of their other options, but we did get it around to talking about what does God have planned for you and pointing them to their Christian faith, which was there, but at the moment they were quite scared and were leaning into a lot of other worldly things. So it was my pleasure to kind of center them into their church structure and walk the journey with them and get them back to what was right for them to do. You mentioned the COVID pandemic and this couple. Are you finding more couples who are considering abortion in the wake of the pandemic? Yes, there have definitely been an uptick with couples that are uh, more afraid now than before. It's added to the confusion 
through family members and people that are speaking into them. So I have spoken to some of our Pregnancy Resource Center partners and they are absolutely seeing an uptick as well. The unfortunate thing at Planned Parenthood is what we're seeing is that there's more and more chemical disbursement, which is an unfortunate thing because this is opening a whole nother venue of opportunity for women to seek an abortion without us being able to reach them directly. And it's a very methodical process that they have in play. And when you get down to the bottom line, the motivation is bigger market share and to make more money. Yeah, it, you have to follow the money trail, definitely. Because our state is one of the most liberal, if not the most liberal, when it comes to abortion laws, and it breaks our hearts. So we see cars coming here with license plates from all around the, the Illinois area. These are men and women that are desperate in getting abortion services. It is tragic, and that is another reason why we have to be out here, because we have such an incredible profile here in the Midwest and in this Aurora Clinic. Well, the Planned Parenthood here in Aurora is right across the street from Waterleaf, a big pro-life, pro-woman health center. When we're out here peacefully praying, we're a prayer presence, and our sidewalk counselors are here trained to really guide these men and women to alternative options. And yes, we are strongly recommending that they go right across the, the grass here uh, to Waterleaf, which is a pregnancy resource center right here next to this Planned Parenthood, ready and willing to offer them free services, free ultrasound, and other services in the area that, that they're desperate in needing. And also, you know, bringing them to a place of decision where they have other options, you know, adoption and so forth. That is really the message that we want to convey when we're out here. This is not something that you have to do. You know, what we have learned that many women are out in the cyber world securing their abortion options. That is where many women are first uh, brought into a discussion with a trained counselor to slow down and make decisions accordingly. When they come out here, we're at the, the doorstep of where it's very, very dark. And we're able to still turn lives. You know, God is still available to turn lives, even when we're out here in one of the darkest places where they've, they've made such a solid decision to come out here and, and end the life of their child. And we know, Catherine, that the number of cancellations for abortion appointments go up when people are out here praying. Yes, Monty, that's an excellent point. They go up as far as 75% of women will turn from their abortion appointment when they see people outside here peacefully praying. That's been documented by previous abortion workers. And Catherine, we know that some women who have canceled their abortion appointments may decide to come back, but there are others who say, wait a minute, let me think about this, let me pray about this, let me talk to some people. You know, Monty, there are times when there's women that we have been able to talk to and they will decide to leave. And it's a quick conversation. And we were just what they were looking for. They were looking for that sign, people out here peacefully praying. I can tell you a situation where I was standing off to the side and a couple pulled up very slowly. And you could tell that it was the father driving the younger woman. They stopped and I got a chance to talk to them 
as they sat in their car and I even prayed with them and I explained to them that Waterleaf was right there where they could go and get free services and that there was time that they could think this through and pray over this and so forth. And I shared a little bit of my story because I'm post-abortive. I just lo wanted to let her know that I really understood her where she was at and they still kept their appointment. They pulled away and drove into Planned Parenthood. And yeah, it breaks my heart. But you know, Monty, I look back at that and I say, you know, God had me here for a reason. And I didn't want to come out here that day. I fought with God most of the morning and said, I don't need to go out there. There's other people out there praying. I planted some seeds that day. Now that woman went ahead with her abortion appointment. We lost that baby, but that baby is now in heaven. That's true. But that girl is going to have girlfriends. And chances are somebody's going to come to her and say, you know, I'm pregnant and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think I'm going to have an abortion. And she goes, no, you don't want to do that. And she shares her story and she'll say, I talked to a woman that was out there that day and I wish I would have turned away and I wish I would have gotten more information. That woman decides to carry and she then becomes a single mom and she gets married and she has a few more children. And she may even have a child that becomes a pastor or a priest. I didn't lose that day. God knows what, how we can use all of that. You were here, you tried, you obeyed God, and that's a big plus. You mentioned you're post-abortive. We want to talk about that during the second half of Illinois Family Spotlight. Stay tuned. This is Michael Medved at michaelmedved.com for Town Hall and their furious reaction to confirmation plans for a successor to the late Justice Ginsburg. Democrats insist it's all about timing, but even if she had passed or resigned two years earlier, would Democrats offer more cooperation in approving a successor? Gorsuch and Kavanaugh were both appointed years ahead of any presidential contest, but still drew near-unanimous Democratic opposition. Meanwhile, Republicans made no similar attempts to destroy Democratic nominees, giving bipartisan support to Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Stephen Breyer, and yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Why the contrast? Democrats view the judiciary as a political branch of government for enacting progressive reforms that lack popular support for legislative action. Their resulting politicization of the confirmation process makes the judiciary the target of narrow and destructive partisanship. I'm Michael Medved. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here outside the mega Planned Parenthood in Aurora, where 40 Days for Life is holding a prayer vigil to pray for women, their unborn babies, for the election, and an end to abortion. Across the street, Waterleaf, a pro-life pregnancy care center. And with me is Catherine Walker, one of the co-leaders of 40 Days for Life Aurora. Catherine, how did you get involved in 40 Days for Life? Monty, I got involved with 40 Days for Life like a lot of people do. I heard somebody share a story. I was volunteering at a pregnancy resource center and their banquet was coming up. I was on the phone kind of uh, touting the guest speaker who was David B. Wright, who at the time was the president of 40 Days for Life. I've interviewed him, wonderful man. Yeah, I absolutely. I did not know anything about 40 Days for Life. I've never heard of David B. Wright before and I went that evening he shared the story and the vision of 40 Days for Life, and God tapped me on the shoulder and said, you can do that. 
and I signed up to lead a vigil not knowing what I was getting myself into, uh, which was a good thing, absolutely a good thing, because I really emptied out myself and God took over. And I invited my dearest and closest pro-life friends to join me in a bakery one day, and I casted a vision for them, and we formed our first team, and we've been uh, moving forward ever since, and that was six years ago. Six years ago. You have no regrets about joining None. up? None. None. Well, you have a tragic story, but an inspirational story, Catherine. Tell us about that. I am post-abortive. A lot of the women that I meet in pro-life are also post-abortive. But there's one unique thing that we have, and that is we've been healed. And we have gotten to a place where we have received the forgiveness of our sin, and we've been able to be used for God, for the kingdom. My abortion story goes back to the early 80s when I experienced my first abortion. I was living in the city, developing my career, and back then it was really an inconvenience. It was a condition. We didn't have ultrasounds, so we all did what was the right thing to do. It kind of got in the way of our plans, and we took care of it. And that pretty much was the threat over a 10-year period. I'm not proud of it, but I will tell you that when I became a member of a very strong Bible-based church and started hearing the truth, I moved forward for healing. God got a hold of my heart and moved forward and be used by God where he wanted to use me, and he chose to use me in the pro-life movement. But there were a lot of tears along the way. A lot of tears. Self-forgiveness is a big thing. Realizing what did you do? My children have all been memorialized. It's Madeline, Matthew, Michael, and Grace. Madeline would be about 41, Gracie would be about 31. And do I miss the possibilities of what life could have been with them here, with me? Absolutely. So the mourning of the grief of that is a reality, but it doesn't stop me. It energizes me to know how I can move forward to help other women reach the same point of forgiveness and be able to move beyond this and better connect with their children that they have now, their spouses, other family members, and also if God leads them to move into post-abortion recovery as well and into the pro-life movement. I think any of us who have been around it long enough realize that the majority of us that are out here are, have been in that situations. Yeah. I don't think a lot of pastors realize how many post-abortive women are sitting on the pews of their church. That's a, a reality that uh, shocks me a lot. When we sit to have a time to sit down and talk to pastors and kind of peel back why we do what we do and bring some of these numbers forward, when you talk about one in four women are post-abortive by the age of 45 and the majority of them are in the churches sitting there silently in tears, still struggling, it is shocking to them. And I've even had pastors say, they're not here in my church. But the unfortunate reality is, is yes, they are. Yeah. And yet, so many pastors are hesitant to speak in favor of 40 days for life even, prayer outside an abortion center. Why do you think they're so hesitant? You know, there's probably a lot of reasons. And, you know, our pastors are wonderful men. They do incredible things. My experience has been when a pastor finally has taken the time to maybe come out here even by himself or with a parishioner, kind of stands on this grass and sees what we're dealing with, they want to start to do something. 
often the segue into getting your church involved is through the 40 Days for Life vigil as a segue. I think a lot of pastors are afraid, oh, I don't want to get my congregation involved with a protest, that sort of thing. I think they're a little scared. You know, and, and some of that is justified because there are times when you can be out here and there's a variety of factions that might make you a little uncomfortable. But the majority of the time, it's not. And 40 Days for Life represents a peaceful prayer vigil. So we are absolutely not about anything that would associate with a protest. But when you get back to sharing the gospel, the pastors that have spoken about the sanctity of life really just lean into the gospel. And when you lead with the gospel and you just share what does God's heart say in his word about life, it becomes very obvious that men and women do need to concern themselves with the abortion topic. So you're saying that pastors can address this issue, but they can do so in a tender-hearted way, but in a biblical way. Yes, they can. And I'll tell you what happened to me at my church. There was a couple that were new elders at our church, and I was told uh, two weeks in advance that there was going to be a message on abortion, and I was still unhealed. So I had a made a decision. Can I go or shouldn't I go or what is it going to be like? So I went and what I saw my pastor do, I will never forget. What a gift it was to me where he sat on stage and he had this couple live sharing their abortion experience and how they worked through this with God and how they got healed and realized their forgiveness and what Christ did on the cross and they were able to show me this too I could have. And I found that healing in my own church. So if my pastor wouldn't have never been bold enough to open up that topic and do what he did, I would hate to think where I would still be today in my hurt and my pain and certainly not doing the work that I'm doing right now and the lives that I've been able to save through God's Holy Spirit. Well, 40 Days for Life is not political, but it does wrap up a couple days before the election. And I know that pro-life people should be praying for this election and supporting, praying for candidates who are pro-life. You hold that view too. Without question. You know, we're very blessed to have the most pro-life president that we've ever had. And now he's up for re-election. So I know that we are prayerful, we are hopeful, we are all hoping for the best, and we know that God's got this, and he's still on the throne. I believe that all churches should be on their knees right now, praying and lifting up our president. Well, that might be tough for some congregations to do, even evangelical churches who might have it in for President Trump. But you need to also look at those down-ballot races as well. Candidates for the legislature, for Congress, etc., you need to be in prayer for that and consider where the candidates stand on life. Beyond just our president, which is important, we've got many, many people that are running for various offices. There's men and women there that certainly have high impact on what happens through our legislation and the laws that are going to be formed in the next several years. So it's critical that we vote in the right people that are going to support those laws pertaining to life and other things that are important to us as Christians. Catherine, 
how can people get involved with 40 Days for Life? I think a lot of people, a lot of evangelicals mm -hmm. think, oh, this is just a Catholic thing. You know, Monty, the, the vigil is really designed to be an ecumenical, peaceful prayer and fast vigil. So it involves Catholics, Protestants, and all different Christian faiths. It is ongoing right now through the first part of November. How you can get involved is very simple. You go to the 40daysforlife.com website and go into the locator and you will find a vigil in your area. And it's very easy to sign up online. You will have information there to access the vigil coordinator, get a hold of them, and they can help you organize your church. Many, many churches will cover an entire day of prayer and come out here in unity. And they will also do an event where they bring their pastor or their priest out and pray together collectively. So it's a wonderful time to come out here. I've had a chance to stand out here and pray with all of my brothers and sisters in Christ and we unite for life. Well, let's say I can't be outside an abortion center here in Aurora or in mm -hmm. Chicago, Downers Grove, uh, Champaign, Peoria, wherever. Can I be involved in 40 Days for Life from my home or maybe just from my church? You know, prayer is prayer no matter where we say it. And if you're not able to come out to the abortion clinics and pray outside because of health reasons and so forth, but we really encourage, even in bad weather, when it's, when it's blowing and it's snowing and it's raining, that even has higher impact when we're standing here with umbrellas because I know men and women will say, wow, they're even out here in the rain and These they people really care. Enough. care. Yeah. They really, really care. So I would say the best is to come out. But if you can't, definitely pray from home. The prayer guides are on the website. You can access them and know how to really lead prayer in your home. It's 40 days for life, but what should day 41 be like? You know, day 41 after a vigil is we never want to leave the ground and leave it empty. If we had two to three people out here praying every hour that an abortion clinic is open, we would continue to save lives. In fact, 40 Days for Life is launching after this vigil, the 40 Days for Life 365, which is an ongoing prayer event, not to eliminate our vigils, it will happen twice a year, but it's a strong attempt to keep the prayer pace going. So that calendar is also on our website. Go there, sign up for an hour a month, an hour a week, whatever works into your schedule. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. Thank you for your heart your willingness to do this and to speak out for life. God bless you and your work. Thank you, Monty. And remember to go to 40daysforlife.com for information about how you can participate in 40 Days for Life. Or you can go to illinoisfamily.org and click events and you can be linked up to 40 Days for Life right there. Remember to vote pro-life and if you'd like copies of the IFI Nonpartisan Voter Guide, be sure to give us a call at 708-781-9328 or you can go to IllinoisFamily.org for information. A voter guide that tells you where the candidates stand on life and other key issues. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. Until next time, get involved in 40 Days for Life, stay healthy, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org. 
and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.